Hello and welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Jason Brandt, Managing Partner and Commercial Officer for Stagwell Technologies. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Simon Nuss, Vice President of Data Solutions at Hitachi Solutions Canada. Hey, Simon, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here, Jason. Thank you. Because you 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 speak to quite a few industries, I'm I'm assuming. You know, are there any are there any industries uh, or verticals that are better or worse at this uh, at this notion of the organization that capturing the securing of the data? Um, you know, it, it's long been you know uh, theorized that the pharmaceutical industry uh, is, is 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 slightly behind these areas, say where financial services is paving the way. Um, but these could be myths. Do you have an opinion on this? I mean, I do, but it's it's very subjective and it's definitely not empirical. So this is from my own experiences. Of course. Um, investment funds, um, especially on the capital market side, usually very data-driven, very good at gathering, organizing, and analyzing. Um, SaaS shops, so a, an organization whose whole revenue is driven by a product, they usually have a pretty good stranglehold on that product and, and sort of the analysis around it. Um, organizations that handle large infrastructure, like nu- nuclear power plants, they have large, sophisticated PMO offices mm-hmm. they need to run their data on business. Wow. I mean, I, I I wouldn't like to no. know there's a nuclear power <laughs> plant near me that isn't monitoring safety, for example. Of course. Um, you know, uh, an investment fund can't do their, their job without having access to a Bloomberg terminal. Things like that. So, you know, when I look at the consistency amongst these industries and these types of companies, I think they're all, their operations are data-driven. So that's an important distinction. I think any organization slash industry whose operations are data-driven, they're just naturally, go- that, that's just naturally going to create a, data, a data-driven culture. Um, so that's, that's sort of my opinion on some of the industries. But once again, very subjective. Of course. That's great. Okay. I uh, would love just, you know, one, two sentences on on your take on the terms for our listeners and who may not be as comfortable or uh, would like to have, you know, a little bit of uh, crib notes, I suppose, uh, on this type of thing. Uh, so we'll just go uh, through them one by one as I've taken notes. Uh, the first one is Databricks. Databricks is the most advanced end-to-end data platform on the market today. Um, it, imagine writing three different programming languages at once and having them execute very efficiently under one query plan. That's quite a technical answer, but um, that concept is brilliant and it doesn't exist in in any other tool really. Uh, Databricks is open source for the most part. um, And it is that lake house architecture, which I'm hoping is one of the questions. Um, So I can use a non-Databricks engine to query my Databricks data. It's it's brilliant. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Data mesh. How much time do we have? Um, so <laughs> data mesh is a decentralized approach of date to data and analytics. So we've all spent our careers fighting against shadow, shadow IT, right? Um, trying to squash people using all these tools and methodologies and everything. Um, conversely, data mesh says, well, we know shadow IT exists and it exists for a reason, normally because IT is a bottleneck. So instead of fighting shadow IT, data mesh basically says, let's embrace it. Let's establish guardrails for the business to do what they want um, with the tools they want, the way that they want, so long as they're achieving their own objectives. So it's a very decentralized way. I don't want to say loose, but a very decentralized sort of loose way of managing data analytics within some very strict guardrails to ensure that 
you know, your HR department using one tool can talk to your finance department using another. I love it. Uh, that's a great answer. Uh, microservices. They fall more on the application side. So we don't generally do a microservice. It's an architecture. It's a way to deploy your tools um, in a very compartmentalized atomic way. That's what a microservice is. We generally don't do that on the analytics side. Um, it's more on the application side, as I said. Um, data mesh though actually draws quite heavily from some of these um these microservice methodologies or approaches. So. Perfect. Uh okay, uh two that go hand in hand. First is data lake. Data lake, it's files and folders. If anyone tells you anything else, they're lying. And data lake house. Data lake house. All right. So that's 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 bigger. Um <laughs> so so yes, uh, you know, maybe I can steal an extra minute or two on this one, actually. Please. So I, I'll cover sort of the, the history of data warehousing. Well, a minute for that. So there's been three big shifts in the history of data warehousing in the last 40 years. Um, up until 2010, we had what was called the first generation of data warehouses. And that meant that we'd connect to a source system. We'd ETL or transform the data in transit, then load the results to a, a SQL server or a data warehouse. The problem with that approach is that we couldn't handle unstructured data like images or, or you know, videos. So enter the second generation circa 2010. And it the second generation of data warehouses is identical to the first generation, except we added a data lake. That's it. And so now we can store all this unstructured data and process it. And I like to describe this second generation as we move our, compute, our, our data to the compute. So we're still loading all this data to a data lake and then we're loading it again to a data warehouse. So we're moving our data from the data lake to our compute or our data warehouse. And then to the question, what is Lakehouse? Lakehouse is the third generation. And so I like to describe it as we move our compute, like SQL Server, to our data. And so what that means is that your data lake is the end of the line. Mm. Once your data is loaded there, it doesn't exit. It doesn't go to, it doesn't mm. get copied or duplicated to another database. That doesn't happen. In fact, your data lake is your database. And that's how you should think of Lakehouse. And why this is really novel is that, as I mentioned, a data lake is just files and folders. And right. so if you've got all of your databases, Excel files for argument's sake, that means anyone can query that data um, with any tool that they want. It's not stored in Excel. It's stored in uh, Apache Iceberg. It's stored in Iceberg or Delta Lake. Um, but, but yeah, so that's what Lakehouse is. Open file storage of all of your data, everything. It, it's not copied anywhere else, which means you can use any tool to query your data. You're not vendor locked. Perfect. And two more, which I, I think you're also very passionate about. Uh, data engineer versus data scientist. So data engineers, uh, very process oriented, uh, very platform focused. They're all about pipelines. They're all about the flow of data. They're usually a bit of a jack of all trades. Um, languages, they're familiar with SQL, they're familiar with Python, maybe a bit of PowerShell, and quite well ingrained in the DevOps processes. So handling dev, de uh, dev test prod and mm. the promotion between those different environments. Um, data scientist, um, very project focused, mm -hmm. um, more of a business facing role, less of a support role. Um, they're statisticians effectively who deal with data. And a lot of them are quite specialized as well. They would have a, a bias towards NLP for argument's sake. And their language is less on the SQL side, more on the, the Python and the R side. So those statistical languages. Amazing. So Simon, thank you so much. Uh, any, less any last comments or any additional thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, as it was mentioned earlier, um, Microsoft Fabric, uh, something for everyone to keep an eye on, I think, over the next couple of years. Um, it's currently the only end-to-end -end open Lakehouse platform on the market. Um, and, you know, when Microsoft made the announcement very recently, it, it rattles Snowflake and Databricks. So I've got a keen eye on that to see how that's going to evolve. More importantly, how it's going to affect Snowflake and Databricks. Um, you know, we've discussed quite a few concepts here. I think the most important ones, if you're not already familiar, are Data Mesh and Lakehouse. So Lakehouse is here today. It's dominating the industry. As I said, Databricks is already Lakehouse. Fabric is already Lakehouse and Snowflake is trying to be Lakehouse. Okay, so that's where the industry is at today. Data Mesh is, is a little bit conceptual right now. Mm. Um, so it's going to be a slow burn in the next 10 years, but there are some fantastic principles in it um, for data governance. So definitely be aware of what Data Mesh is and how that story unfolds quite slowly. Um, and I think the last thing is, look, if you have any questions, reach out to me over LinkedIn, connect with me, shoot me a note. I'm more than happy to deep dive into these topics with you or your organization. Amazing. Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really informative and uh, it was a pleasure. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, for everyone that's listening, thank you for joining us and please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thank you.